Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. We've got a great one here for you today. It's my first episode back that we recorded in 2021. Uh, we recorded it a few weeks ago in early January, and I'm just coming off a three-week break during this episode, and we really dive into everything that happens when you go from operating at about 5,500, 6,000 RPM down to about you know zero to 500, and what changes in your physiology, your mindset, and your performance and how maybe taking a break might not accomplish exactly what you're looking to accomplish. Um, we also talk about OnlyFans. <laughs> we, since John lives under a rock, we, we had to inform him what OnlyFans is. And this one just felt like a, one of the old conversations that John and Amber and I used to have on, on Sunday nights before this was a podcast. So really excited to have you here with us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. I, Austin, am back after a one-month break from these lads that continued on captaining the ship without me. I don't know if they got better or worse, honestly, so you guys are going to have to let us know about that. Um, welcome, Ammer. How are you out in Etobicoke, Ontario? <clears throat> doing, doing pretty good, man. Uh, just telling John... Uh, John out uh, in BC Kelowna. Yeah. <laughs> about Kelowna. this this, uh, <clears throat> this this trend of OnlyFans. And if you don't know what OnlyFans is, John, like I said, it's literally people that would pay, I don't know, 10 to 20 to $50 a month plus additional upsells per specific videos or photos to see more generally and and more popularly specific women nude. And uh, there's I'm, there's so girls out there that make a million a month plus on the platform. Yeah, the, I can I can I totally would believe that totally. It's there's, no, there's zero doubt. Yeah, yeah. In my it's mind unfortunate we couldn't However, capture your raw reaction because your raw reaction was pretty hilarious. We should have pressed. No, no what I'm curious about though is was that the intended use for it, or is yes. that just a side effect? No, no, no. This, that's actually what I, the website was it. Yes. And the here's original a very... marketed benefit was that. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. This is a thing. Hmm. It's like, uh, um, let's say there's a girl in your in your high school that you once fancied, and you heard that she has an OnlyFans. That means for a price, you get to finally see her naked, and uh, people will pay a lot of money for that stuff. It's very weird, and yeah, it's people weird. have made a living now. You know, here's the most interesting. Like, there's thing. like almost. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just say like no one's no one's paying to see dicks, you know. Yeah, well, you know, there's always there's always a purchaser, right? But uh, like dicks are just not very valuable in that sense, you know. I, I guess so, yeah. Uh, but here's something I, you should know about OnlyFans and its business model, which is really fascinating. I think 
something like 95% of their revenue come from 1% of their content creators. I can believe that. Wow, that is a great stat. Yeah. That is so, a great stat. So that means if they lose their, like, let's say their top 50 accounts, their revenue drops. Like, no, they go bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting. That's interesting. Model. That's a lot of, that's a lot of power held by the 1%. I bet they can negotiate like a really good They do. Rate. They get good, they get, mm. they get good rates. The more subscribers you have, the lower your fees go. That's interesting. And, and so like, uh, like, is there like, uh, like who does well on OnlyFans? I mean, obviously attractive women, but like, is it sort of like a famous person? Yeah. Thing so here's what happens. You have a, somebody who's already had, has a big following on Instagram, so to say, who's very attractive, but never done Playboy, never done any sort of pornography. And then they say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start like teasing out this specific content and sort of like dripping more and more lewd photography, like photos and videos. And people would pay for the different tiers of those things. And then... That's interesting. And then eventually... What would stop someone from just like like paying for an account and then... uh, Sharing Taking the photo and just up... Yeah, just uploading it. Well, it's because you've paid a premium to get in. So there's sort of this exclusivity that's like, oh, I'm in here. I'm seeing what most aren't, which makes it more rare and more desirable for you. Whereas if everybody got to see what you're seeing, all of a sudden it's not as rare or desirable. I guess so. But there's no one that's like out here just taking screenshots. So there is, but there's an entire team that works around the clock to copyright strike those images that are outside mm, the, interesting. the economy. Wow. Amory, you, you know, seem to yeah, know a it, lot it, about this platform. I really do. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's something great. that is just captured my, my attention because it's like... Yeah, I'm sure you're just doing pure research on like that. <laughs> no, listen, hold on a second. company and how the... No, it is a... Hold I find it. I, I mean, I find it... I mean... I mean, I, I don't find it any more fascinating than I find, like, you know, like, it's not surprising, like, at all. Like, like if you told well, me no, that men not, were yeah, running right. to pay. It's not surprising at all. Yeah. 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 It definitely seems like... Um, what I find really amazing about this is that all of a sudden, there's now a price for your pride. You know, it's people say, oh, you can't put price on pride. Now you, you know can. What? I was just thinking about that. Yeah, there's this girl. Uh, well, there's a couple girls that I've followed on Instagram for the past several years, and oh, we they've got it. They, they've got around. Like I've, I've essentially. <laughs> what I'm trying to say by that is like I've seen them grow up, right? <laughs> yeah. Like for all intents and purposes, I've seen them mature into an adult, and now they're doing you know swipe up for fifty percent off on Tuesday night on my OnlyFans. You know. There like, you go. Eh. Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, come, you know, <laughs> let's start an actual business. You know, yeah. And it, the reason I find this so interesting and why I'm even bringing it up is because a lot of what we talked about, these stoic values. And it seems like the Western world is becoming farther, farther away from stoic values. And the mm-hmm. more people are willing to give up value, there is another opportunity to make money on that loss of self-value. And it's fascinating to me. That's an amazing concept that you can profit off of taking a step down yeah, in that, it's, it's in that st- realm. It started off with like gambling, you know, or like alcohol, you know, oh, like alcohol is not good. But then, okay, alcohol is now good. You know, you can let go of your self-control and your brain and get fat, you know, and there's nothing wrong there's, with drinking, right? I want to make that very clear. Yeah. But it's a step towards something that's that would be considered more. Well, no, there's a lot wrong with drinking. Yeah, well, not morality-wise. I don't think there's any right or wrong with drinking. It's just it, drinking is not Obviously, workable right to having a life that you want. You know? Oh, I that's, see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah subjective. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
but then but then it's something then you know it becomes more taboo to like uh you know have a lot of sex with women right and then it's like well now that people that's a thing like brothels open up and like strip clubs and then now it's like okay there's always smoke. a place in the market for undercutting pride or or his values right and i just find yeah. it fascinating that now all of a sudden you can huh. and you don't need an agent it's not taboo at all you can just log oh, in man. make an account and you can start profiting off uh off yeah yourself i mean there's this really amazing quote i read recently about i'm gonna search it up and find it but it's essentially about like every every person starts out that way and so you always have like and it, it kind of goes back to like freudian psych psychology right like everybody has the id that develops first right like the mm-hmm. desire like the kind of the, the dark side of your wants and needs right it, so it is yeah you know if you desire fame <clears throat> you can now buy followers yeah. you know if you desire uh, uh a specific type of attention you can go on uh like only fans if you uh desire popularity among your gamer friends you can go and start streaming if you desire anything i mean you can now get it for a price and i mean how far is it willing to go and uh you know i see stoicism and people like ryan holiday uh, as the main opposition to this to these movements right where even then though i self-control i see i see uh you know i mean even like i mean you know there's like a slippery slope to it, right? Like even um, Ryan Holiday, I think, kind of maybe fell victim to this a little bit over the holidays, where he was selling like a ninety-nine dollar course to set New Year's goals, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." It just seemed off-brand, you know? Oh, for that him, he to would set. sell like a. You, you should turn off yeah, your video, it, by the way. You're just lagging a bit. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So it seemed off-brand for him to to be you know selling a one a 100 course oh um, interesting you know um and i'm sure you know i'm sure yeah. that you know ryan would build a course of immense value and whatnot but you know it's just it, i found it really interesting um in particular uh, i know i'm kind of nitpicking on ryan holiday here but you know i, th- I thought it was interesting because you know I, I you know a lot of you know i've been following ryan for you know, for like close to, you know, four or five years now. And I've read all of his books and I've bought every single one of them, you know, three or, you know, upwards of 10 times. So if there's, you know, if there's a guy who's really been, you know, I've definitely paid my dues when it comes to Ryan Holiday. And I, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, over the years, many times he's mentioned his, his, you know, dislike actually of New Year's goals. Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. And so I thought it was really fascinating. So, you know, it's interesting how you see these, these, you know, and, and I'm sure that we all, you know, I'm, I'm not judging him in, in, in it. I'm sure that it was goodwill. You know, there's obviously, I imagine there's good intentions behind it. Like I'll give him goodwill that way. But, you know, it's interesting that we all sort of have follies in that sense. Like I'm, maybe it's not a folly. Maybe it was a fantastic course and whatnot. Yeah. But it does, mm. it does seem interesting that, that, uh, no, that, and that's, that's, and that's actually so, a really good debate, a, John. So that's actually, in my opinion, it would be equal parts um, stoic and equal parts whatever you're describing is, you know, kind of the wrongdoing or the the irony of Ryan Holiday, Ryan Holiday's actions. So, like, he's promoting the course that he's made about improving himself, but in a stoic way. Yet he's offering it on January 1st, which is not stoic, right? That's your. Well, that, that's essentially what you're saying is that 
I'm not making a non-stoic or stoic claim. I'm making a like a non-Ryan Holiday brand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 There wasn't any stoic. Because it would be like the the arguments like, where's your February first and your January twenty seventh? You know. What I what I'm hearing improvements is that Ryan Holiday has foregone one of his values towards the temptation of more money. It's like, oh, he had this value of New Year's that he's now no longer upholding, so that he can earn an extra hundred bucks from somebody on this specific moment and it's uh yeah i mean there's all these things that there's all these temptations now that that never existed before and i'm just thinking you know one day you know i might have a daughter and this will actually have to be a conversation it's like oh don't drink don't smoke don't have an OnlyFans. it's just like (laughs) so i just find it i find it pretty funny and you know when you're running a business you're tempted by other things but Mm -hmm. austin what were you tempted by what are some things that you learned on your on your little vacation, um, where you got together, got some goal setting? You know, how you, how you been, man? It's been a while. Yeah, um, I've been great, honestly. I've just been pretty disconnected and uh, and enjoying some time off by myself and with my uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, we had a great Christmas, and uh, it was kind of nice to just. I had an absolutely in- insane year with the amount of stuff I was I was doing, and just unplugging was was so so recharging um and and restoring for my own mental health and energy like i just feel like i'm attacking this year with with just i took a few weeks off and i just am really excited now to get back into being that busy you know it it, it is something um for those of you that don't know like i mean maybe you're just starting to listen now um to the podcast i can't assume that you've been following us along this far but you know in the next uh five months um i'm gonna be doing all of the actions necessary for um producing and and selling work for my own business in the next four or five months um so what that looks like is you know uh 10 12 hours of calling every week about 15 25 hours or 20 hours of estimating every week and uh generating a ton of uh, demand for my business as well as coaching eight other people in running their business um, concurrently and in, in around areas surrounding mine and um, as How well many as eight eight people nice eight and then uh, also at the and the last thing is uh, completing a master's degree and defending my thesis before the end of May Okay, nice. So we have a So I've just, you know, I have the equation, I have the weekly input, I have the schedule, it's all made. I just, you know, coming off a year where I was doing a similar amount of work, I really thought I was going to benefit from that three-week break, which I did. Um, I am, for those of you that follow me on uh, my own Instagram, uh, know that um, Trudeau underscore train, or Trudeau train, I believe is it is, you know that I'm a... Uh, a huge world juniors fan. So that was oh, a we got really slapped. fun break, man. Uh, I was very unhappy with that, but, uh, you know, I am, I have to accept it. And, and I don't like, this is obviously the thing I don't want to be right about. Um, I said it from the beginning. Okay. I don't like saying this. I said it from the beginning when Canada is in a weak group, they always lose in the finals. Because they don't get tested. They were in a very easy group. They had 40, you know, their goal differential was like plus 40. And then they didn't score a goal in the last game. So 
Um, anyway, I was kind of following that tournament uh, really closely. I absolutely love that tournament. Grew up watching it. That's what I actually, you know, like that's where I was last year in, in Czech Republic. Went to go watch it. So I just follow it closely with my friends. Obviously, this year was a very different experience. And, um, you know, even got a little trip into uh, w- with Mark. I was able, the person I run my, my business with, we were able to go to Mont Tremblant for a, a two day little uh, what's trip getaway? So, what's yeah. your what's your what's your goal for uh, for you and Mark? I mean, for uh, revenue this year? Yeah, for you and your business. Yeah, so our goal is four hundred k. Four hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Nice. And and what's your goal for those eight people um, that a you're combined, coaching? A combined one million. One million. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, what's what, what I find interesting is so like do you like because like, do you set your own goal for those eight people or you're kind of at the mercy of their goals, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, so what I do when I take into consideration, like put it this way, we have meetings that quote unquote launch their businesses, right? So we kind of sit down and plan out their goal and we establish what they'd need to do on a, and kind of reverse engineer. We've talked about this on other podcast episodes too, where we kind of take a goal and we then reverse engineer it. Like we take a goal, let's say it's like $200,000 in revenue a year, take into account all your historic booking all your stats from the year before. So like how many leads did it take you to schedule an estimate? How many estimates did it take you to schedule a job? How many jobs did it take you to uh, get to, you know, $10,000 in sales? What's your average job size? You take all of that data and then you kind of reverse engineer what you'd need to put in every week in order to hit that goal based on your data. So we do, we sit down and compute those goals. And then of course we can alter them based on if they want to, because you can't just sit down and go, Oh, Hey, I want to do a 300 K goal. Like, no, you have to sit down and go, okay, well, if you're reverse engineering everything that like in, in, in a formulaic way like that, can you afford the extra, I don't know, seven hours a week, right? So that's, you kind of have to earn the increase in your goal. Now, if people sit down, for example, and some of my operators, this is the case, right? Like they sit down and they go, well, I want to do this. And it's like a huge goal. And that means they have to work like something around, let's say 35 to 45 hours a week in the preseason while still in full-time university. So it's not that I don't think they're like, when I'm taking into account putting my goal, it's like when I I have to then take into consideration all of the meetings I've had like that and then look at their goals and then compute my own. Maybe it's less, maybe it's more, but it has to ultimately come down to what I want to accomplish as a team and not necessarily what they want to do as an individual. But you're right. It is largely based on what their goals are, but also what I think that they're going to be able to be capable of. Mm. Yeah. But again, that comes back to the idea of like, you don't want to be setting a goal that's too achievable as a team either. So my, my goals right now, honestly, the 1 million is like, it's attainable for eight people. And my personal goal of 400 K is also attainable. However, as the year progresses, um, I also want to be able to revisit them up and down, right? Um, John, I know you said like, is this the year that you're not setting a goal? You're just going to run up the clock or what? Like, what do you think? Well, I have like an estimation of what I could do this year. What's the estimate? A million thirty-three. 1.33. 1.033. Okay, got it. Interesting. Seems pretty precise. Why, like, how I mean, did that's you... What, that's just what the math came out to, so. <laughs> right. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't just gonna randomly round up to 50 or, you yeah, know, round, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. So a million. That's just nicer to say. Million dollars. Million thirty-three. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I mean, that's ten jobs. Yeah, I know. It's an extra ten jobs. Yeah. I'm not just gonna round out. I'm not just gonna round out. I mean, think about it. I could change the lives of ten different people. <laughs> and you're out here just rounding down on that. <laughs> okay, dude. No yeah. <laughs> Anyway. No, but that's like that's like uh, that's like twenty estimates. Yeah, right. That's that's a whole week of work that I wouldn't be doing. Mm. That's fair, Austin. What did you learn in this time off? What I learned <clears throat> is that in order to take time off effectively, it's a bit of a myth. What does and that it's mean? Hard, it's hard to manage. Yeah. So, um. There was definitely a few occasions where, you know, my social media time went up and you're like, okay, does this aid me? You know, like, is this, is this worth this break? Because my social media time wouldn't have been up if I didn't take a break. Right. So then you have to weigh the cons of like, um, is the opportunity cost of not working right now were uh in order to gain a little bit of like restorative strength and like you know f getting because i was actually <laughs> i mean i was i was uh, whether you can whether or not you guys think burnout is a is a thing or not i'm not saying i was burnt out but i was definitely fatigued um and i feel a lot better coming out of this now starting the year um however there was times where like it, put it this way it gets easier to engage in activities that aren't as productive. Um, meaning, you know, not eating as health. Well, it's also during the holidays. People obviously are talking. It's, it's definitely the, um, the, what's the word? The, uh, the predicate, I guess, would be like to, you know, like in, engage in a little bit of, uh, in, um, you know, holiday eating. And then there's that. There's also you're just more distracted. Uh, but what was really nice was that like I was able to really dial in on on reading and exercising, like just reading a lot and um, working out every day. Having the time to do that sustainably was really really fun. Um, I would say. Do you find rest exhausting? I'm gonna think about that as well. Hmm. I do personally. So by rest, do you mean like sitting there and being stagnant and like not doing anything really? Well, that's pretty difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like that's a borderline like meditation almost. Mm -hmm. But I, I think you know, like we could we could come up with a definition of rest. But I think that when we when people think of rest, I think that there's sort of a general, like average definition. It's something. It's interesting because like isn't isn't like to me it almost seems like the average definition of rest is not doing what's going to move you towards your goals yeah. in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like rest is like a like a cop out for like like just like being okay with vice. And 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 I'm not necessarily stating that that's not effective. Like I I question that as well. Like it seems like you you that's been on your mind as well. Like um yeah, but I personally, I find rest very exhausting mentally. Like physically, 
you know, I'm still like, you know, if you're working out or whatever, right. But, but mentally I find rest from work and rest from like, like massive strides forward. I find it really, really exhausting mentally. Do you find the same? Yeah. I would say that the times where I, there was definitely a few times because I took like a three and a half week break from the podcast and also like it also just naturally timed that I was finishing my school semester. I was wrapping up my business and all of my operators, my people I'm coaching were closing down. So all four things in my life just came to like, you know, there's no more input required to maintain them for a few weeks. And I would say that there was a few times where because I was not engaging in those input activities as much, right? I'm not making calls. I'm not producing work. I'm not taking phone calls from operators. I'm not doing podcasts. I'm not doing all of these things that, you you there's two things that i realize happen one my threshold for you know for being considered like my threshold for work like being really overwhelmed with work got a little bit lower because i kind of just went from like 95 to zero and then i was trying to build it back up and expecting to be able to work at that level again for like one day of the christmas break and it seemed like it wasn't necessarily super effective and then the other thing was you kind of just look at your goals for the next year and I would say they almost they don't necessarily seem less attainable but they seem bigger because you're not in that space anymore as much as you were right so if you took a little bit of a break and you know I was all it's like I look back at 2020 and I go hmm I did all of that like I I you know and, and I was, I was dead in the water for six weeks, like everybody else, you know, like I wasn't really selling or marketing during the height of the pandemic when it hit. And, you know, I still managed to accomplish the majority of my goals and have a great year. And, you know, the pandemic is kind of remains a thing. And now we're kind of operating within it, it feels. And I just took a three week, three and a half week break. And now I'm just, you know, I, I just felt like as much as I'm more full of energy and have like a, um, I feel more prepared in terms of like a, how much work I can take on and how much how much stuff can get thrown at me and what my mindset would be like. I felt like my goals seemed a little bit bigger just because I hadn't been in that space for a while. So you're right. Rest can be exhausting and a little bit um, overwhelming because you're kind of just sitting there in your stewing in your, you know, stewing in your head and doing activities that like you said don't actually further you towards the goal and time is just passing you by right what did um what were your like sort of average thought patterns over the course of your break like because of course when you're in work mode you're probably fluctuating you know you're probably like just going from task to task and yeah just like in like that hunt mode what was sort of your thought patterns over the three weeks that you took off huh a lot less flustered i was definitely more like moving from one activity to another more sustainably i wasn't presented as much with like with put it this way i wasn't getting like if you look at my call history in the in the you know as of like january 15th ish uh onwards until maybe end of september ish there's like you know at least 25 30 calls a day um just talking with 
everybody I need to talk to in a day, getting phone calls from people I'm working with. Well, I imagine Um, there was a lot less things that were conflicting as in you weren't having to make decisions of like one or the other. It was typically like, you know, 100%. 100%. Like it didn't like if if you weren't at the grocery store exactly at four, it didn't make a difference. Kind of oh thing, man, you know? that was so nice to just be able to wake up and go to the store, you know, and not have to be like, okay, well I have this at ten and I need to be back by one and all these things, right? Like, I like that. Don't get me wrong. It was just nice to have a change of scenery. Um, and I I'll be honest, if I kept on this break, like I started back um, on. Um, Monday, yeah, on Monday. So mon- this is being recorded on Sunday, January tenth. By the way, so um, this is like on Monday the fourth. I started back, and that was like, you know, uh, pretty. How do I say this? Uh, I was excited to get back. I think if I took another week off, then I would have been like kind of it it would have started to come down the other side of the bell curve right like it would it would have stopped in my opinion being effective like i think that there is a tipping point for sure hmm. yeah and i definitely pushed the envelope a little bit with three and a half weeks like i think tim ferris talks about it in the four hour work week how like um you taking mini vacations that are two weeks that seems to be the optimum point for me. Like I hit two weeks and I was kind of ready and, and, and as Amber likes to say, yearning to get back to work. Um, <laughs> yeah, it uh, seems like it seems like two weeks is pretty I optimal. Think. It seems like two weeks is a sweet spot where you're yeah. like, you know what, I, I want to go back. But yeah. but more than two weeks. But I think there's also sweet spots beyond that too. Like there's almost like little like dips and valleys, you know, where the helicopter can kind of pick you up and you can get out safely, yeah. you know. But if yeah. you're in the bottom of a valley, it's hard for the helicopter to come. But put get it this you. way, I really top of a mountain, yeah. you know. Yeah, sorry you to interrupt you. Um, well, I was just gonna say, like, I think the helicopter, like when you when you when you're at the top of the mountain, it picks you up, right? So there's like different sweet spots because mm-hmm. I find like there's like certain sections of my like my time because obviously I take a more extended break, let's say, um, than most people. And I find that there's definitely peaks and valleys to that, um, and I'm not, and I haven't really decided what. That's why I was asking questions. I was kind of curious on your thought mm-hmm. patterns and stuff. Mm-hmm. My thought patterns definitely fluctuate, you know. And there's definitely times where I'm like, okay, where's the helicopter? And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh fuck, it, it's not here. So then you get back down, and then you're like in the bottom of the valley. You're like, oh, it's a little dark down here, you know. Yeah, no, I completely get it, and um, it's something. Do your that... moods? Do, do your do your moods um, fluctuate at all? Are you like a pretty Ian Kill guy? Yeah, yeah, pretty even kill. Like, I, I don't really have uh, mood swings as much as, like... No, I'm not even talking from a day-to-day standpoint, necessarily, but even just from a week-to-week, you know? Mm. No, I don't... I mean, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'll am i ask... I mean, I'll ask Miranda after this, but I really don't think so. I, I think I'm a pretty... How about anxiety levels? Like, I mean, minus workload, okay? Because workload mm. is, mm-hmm. like, I, I, it's very rare for someone to... You know, but minus workload, do you find that you have your anxiety levels fluctuate at all? No, uh, I, I try to really, um, Hmm. Here's another one. Yeah, no, I, I, I do not think honestly that my anxiety levels fluctuate. Okay. Here's another one. That's it's, it's not quite the same thing as anxiety, but it's similar. How about, um, like how rapid your thoughts are? Hmm. That's it. Okay. 
because like I over this break I felt like there was no more like I really understood this the truth behind the saying if you want something done give it to a busy person not because if somebody asked me to do something it would take me like ridiculous amount of time but I caught myself like I understood the the psychological mechanisms behind why that is factually true is because when somebody asked me to do something and I would look at my schedule and there was one eighth of the stuff in there that I'm used to having in there, I wouldn't get it done as fast as I normally would it's have. It's interesting how that's If I true, had hey? eight times more thing in my schedule. And I had to force myself at a few times to go like, no, what am I saying? I could do this right now. Like I could do it literally the moment you're asking for it. You know, it's and interesting like, how that works. Why? Eh? Like I had to like pull myself back. I'm just like, why are you being a lazy piece of shit? You know, like, no, I know. Like if, yeah. if I have like five estimates in a row, like I'll be on time to all five oh estimates God. plus or minus like, you know, if like if one goes one, over, yeah, you'll call, you know, yeah. like you'll, like you'll call like, you know, ahead of time. So, you know, minus any of that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. But if you have one estimate, like I'll forget about it. You know what I mean? Like if I have one estimate for the entire week, like I'll forget. Right. Couldn't agree more, man. Like I, I actually like that's why I said rest is exhausting. Like I actually find that like, uh, and I, and I don't like I actually kind of think that that's why like when you said like what was my goal and I was like well here's an estimate kind of thing is it's like, you know like at this point like I feel like I really relate a lot of my work to like my running in the sense that like I I know a pretty good pace that I can run but like some days like I get on the treadmill and like twelve feels light you know Mm -hmm. and some days i get on and nine feels kind of heavy and some days it's like i'm running at 15 for like 30 minutes and i'm like whatever right and i look like a badass right just sprinting the entire time (laughs) and like i don't know why right but 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 there is like a certain like you know between nine and ten i'm very comfortable you know 10 to 11 it's like you know that fluctuates daily you know 11 to 12 that starts getting you know that's the, the less days you know 12 to 13 is very rare right but then it's like you think about your my work as well it's like some weeks it's like yeah like 13 14 estimates it's like no problem right whereas some weeks you know trying to grind out 10 is a rough right so that's why i say like estimation in the sense that i feel like i have a pace that i know i can get and i can run and based on those fluctuations i have an idea of you know how far i'll get you know man honestly like i think the estimate's a cop-out like why don't i just say your goal is 1.03 what do you mean like that's your estimate why not just actually set it as a goal like why not just say my goal is 1.033 instead of that's my estimate like there's a lack of commitment there between one no and the I, other. I don't think so at all i i don't think so at all like i i've ran the numbers as far as like like you know the math behind how many you know how many how many estimates i can possibly get in a week and versus how many people i have and plus or minus a bit of safety because one thing that's interesting with pro works is like it's hard to say like how my stats from student works would reflect to pro works you know what i mean oh yeah yeah like like that's something to consider like with like with with if i was coming if i had one more year of student works i think i'd i would i would be a lot more committal to a certain number you know of like yeah this like this would like i would be a lot more accurate in it but the reason why I say the reason why I say a million thirty three is an estimate um, is because you know I, there, like if if the discount rates that I used on my stats from StudentWorks are I used too much of a discount rate, then in reality I should probably be able to do a little bit over one point two. Mm. Whereas if my discount rates weren't enough, then I would do less than that. So I kind of took a I took a number in between. I said, yeah, this is a pretty good estimate of what I could accomplish. 
Mm. Okay, so then how does it... Why do you think you're... I can understand Amber doesn't like that. I can, yeah. I can understand the argument of a non-committal. It, I, I could see why it seems non-committal. I, I also just don't see much value in actually committing to some arbitrary goal. Like, I mean, I could say I could say 1.1, I could say 1, 1 million. It really means nothing, ultimately. I well, Hold on a second. A goal is a commitment. When you give your word to something, you're making a commitment. How's that worth nothing? Yeah, well, that I mean, in an idealistic way, absolutely. But like most goals simply aren't hit. So that's so in reality has proven otherwise. Most goals are absolute horseshit, right? Like you went through that last year, Amr. I did, and I'm still gonna set. Yeah, but but big Amber, goals. but like the but like the goal was arbitrary. Like I I think that in hindsight, anybody could have looked and said that's not a proper estimate. You, do you see the difference there? Like you can set a like I could set a goal of three million, but that doesn't but it doesn't. It, I try and back my things in math, right? So it's like if like my math has proven that about a million thirty three is what I can expect, that's what I can expect, right? Yeah, I'm not going to just set some random goal. It's arbitrary. It means but, nothing. Like, like the math has proven a million thirty three. Yeah, but you just said that you don't know how it's going to be different going from pro work from student works to pro works. And if you don't, don't know that, then how can you actually put that into an equation where you can get the math? Well, that's why I use the word estimation. What do you mean? That's exactly what I said. Like you can you can estimate something. So what I did actually is, I think I have it here. This may not be it. What I did is I took, I took the numbers from, um, and, and one thing to consider too is that a lot of the um, there's a lot of unknown as far as like. The com- like I don't actually understand a lot of the inputs that are going to be involved in the the commercial side of the business. So again, I could pull some random number out and say four hundred thousand, but like it's it that's basically as arbitrary as a rookie saying they're going to do two fifty. That rookie has no fucking idea mm-hmm. what it means. What you know? So as a rookie commercial operator, I I mean I'm basically just pulling a number out of my ass, right? Now, where, where the 200000 in commercial work came from is that with student works, I had done around $50,000 over the last few, like, you know, per year over the last couple of years. And there was work. a lot of, yeah, but I was, but I had a lot of bids because like, you know, some people knew me and I didn't win out those bids. And I kind of went back and looked at, okay, like, I wonder, you know, maybe if some of these had gone my way, you know, what would have that have been and how, you know, maybe, you know, so I sort of used a, a like an inflation rate to the commercial side of my business. Whereas on the residential side, I used a discount rate. One, because yeah. there's increased competition because there will be two you know, hungry hungry hunters out there with student works uh, yeah. in Kelowna. But two, it's hard to say what, like for example, um, refer, uh, sorry, repeat clients. It's hard to say how many of my repeat clients will actually follow me to the next business. So for me to like say, oh, I'm gonna do a million dollars and or 1.2 million and like here's the numbers that i'm going to show well if the math doesn't support that it's irrelevant like if i say like you know i'm going to get a, a two you know hundred fifty thousand dollars from from repeat clients that means dick shit if the math doesn't support that right like if i got a hundred thousand from student works why would i expect 150 from pro works like that would that wouldn't make sense right so then if you use a discount rate right now the the one the one thing that i have the most control over um, in, well, there's two things in my opinion that I have the most control over because even referrals that like you can, you know, again, you're only estimating, right? Like based on uh, like what determines a referral, right? You know, a job in May is worth two in August. So, you know, there's that general rule of thumb. But the thing that there's two things I think you have the most control over how many flyers you send and how many doors you knock on. 
And so those two are the things that I, I think I can most reliably predict. And the rest of them are more estimations. So to set a goal above and beyond me performing at a really high level with sending out maximum amount of flyers and doing cold calling, I think it's just arbitrary and it means nothing. Okay. Especially now, when you're dealing with larger numbers. Like if, okay. hold on. No, no, I get if it. I was, if I was trying to aim for 500,000, I could instantly tell you the math of how I could 100% do that. Okay. Just through flyers and just through cold calling, right? So the question becomes, which I think Ammer and you are kind of having two different conversations. Ammer saying, if you can set a goal that will motivate you to kind of change what those metrics are based off of. Like the only way that you're able to reverse engineer a goal using inflation and deflation of commercial, residential, whatever it may be, right? Is that you have some metrics that you're looking at and that you're, you're figuring out how to use them reliably. Yeah. What I think Ammer's trying to say is, if you take if you adopt a different mindset of input strictly input on a weekly basis like all you were trying to do is just trying to see how you can break that function for in a good way like how can you how can you show that those numbers are wrong in a good way because that means that you're going to be showing that they're a little bit on the lower end they should have been more reflected towards higher end um yeah i think that reality could be a goal otherwise i really don't think that humans operate like that i really don't so when you tell me Elon says we need to go to Mars, that's a is that a goal or an estimate? Going to Mars is a goal. Yeah, but like thirty three years, that's an estimate. What do you? That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, but there's every goal is an estimate. I mean, there's just so many different uh, aspects. Mm, that that's play not true. Into. That's not true. I don't think so. I don't think that's true because estimation, in my opinion implies there's there's some sort of math that's been done some sort of calculation to come up with that number right now the more amount of math and the more amount of maybe data would i i think that you know there's some arguments to say the accuracy of the estimate like like if you asked me to estimate a house you know from across the street and not seeing the back or the you know that's gonna be a less accurate estimate than if you let me walk around it Got it. Yeah. So like the more information yeah. you have, the more accurate the estimate. Not not necessarily the more information. I think there's a sweet spot there. But yeah, but essentially the more information. Yeah. Okay. So w what are you saying about goals then? Just so I can understand. Well, I think what, what you're saying is that you, you find you, you're um, resistant to the idea of not just simply committing to a number. That seems like to be the main point that you like. You're like, why not just commit to a number, right? Like what you, you, you seem to be confused or you seem to not uh, value the distinction between an estimate and a goal, whereas I do. Mm. But that's also not surprising to me. I just remember what? the phone call I had with Ammer when we were both veteran operators and, and running our businesses together in 2019. And I'm just going to share a little anecdote, John, because Ammer earned me easily an extra $100,000 in revenue. And the way Ammer did that for me was my goal, I had done 150 in my rookie year, and I, w I, was, I was fixing up my, my I, I was essentially designing a schedule in a life that would allow me to do 250. Because to me, it's like, okay, that's kind of the sweet spot, right? Like, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a double in business, because that sounds a bit insane. Um, however, it's going to earn me a little bit more, in, in, like, it's going to increase my sales by 100K, and it's also a quarter yeah. million. It kind of just works. Amber calls me up and goes, yo, mine's, my goal was going to be 400. Then I realized I was going to stop being a little bit of a puss bag, and now it's 500. 
Yeah. And I'm I think scared. That, that... I'm scared to shit of that goal. And he's like, I want you to do 500 as well. And then he somehow sold me on being an absolute animal and just going kind of just quote unquote, for lack of a better term, like balls to the wall. And as a result, I ended up doing 350, nowhere near 500, right? It's just, I guess, a di- like, but that, I, I, I honestly believe that if Amber didn't enroll me in doing that, I wouldn't have done it. So, yeah. So, 100%. So, like, um, the, the, you would have to make changes, like, to the fundamentals of your business, I think, to, like, yeah. like, the business that you would operate, I think, at, like, 200 is is fundamentally a lot different than the business you'd run at, like, 500 plus. Like, yes. especially around 500 plus, because that's when you start getting into, like, especially if you're a seasonal business, that's that's when you start getting over $100,000 in a month in revenue. Um, and I think that there's, there's a fundamentally big difference between that. The same way that I think there's a fundamentally big difference between a million-dollar business and, like, a $1.5 to $2 million business. And... Uh, Without changing the fundamentals of my business, I think that with like working within that confine, like within the, those restrictions, I think a million thirty three is a good estimation, and I think that it, that would be um, a re, like that would maybe be a midpoint. As in, I think the most given the current um, state of my business, I think one point two would be like a high point, and I think eight hundred thousand definitely seems to be now the the new floor. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that would be accurate if I was to fundamentally change the business and, and actually see value in that. I think that I could see your argument of like not buying the bullshit and actually like, yeah, let's, let's set the goal of 1.5. Let's figure out the way of getting there. Um, I have, I have very little interest in that. Certainly at this point I would have, yeah. That should have been my first question is, would you want more and you don't want more, right? Well, I want more, but but not in but that's but to me that wouldn't be more like in, in, Got it. in like a philosophical way yeah i understand i understand i understand yeah 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 okay if we were playing a game of doing the most revenue possible then my argument would really sit and it would it, it would make sense because we want to maximize by setting bigger goals we change the fundamentals of your business what you're saying your goal for 2021 please correct me if i'm wrong it's not to just maximize revenue to as as much as humanly possible it's around living the best possible life and, uh, you know, around the commitments you have, peace of mind, employment, predictability, and that goal that you want to achieve, um, you want to set, uh, you don't want to change the fundamentals of your business. You well, don't want to reset sense, the, issue, the initial conditions. In a sense, a goal is just a question. Yeah, right. that's what like that's what I'm set, getting from this conversation. Yes. Yeah, when you set a goal of like five hundred thousand, really, you're asking yourself, "How can I do this?" Right? Correct. I'm not asking myself how I can do one point five million. Right? Exactly. I'm I'm estimating based on the effort that I've calculated that I'm willing to put into my business this year, and given the people that are involved, that one point zero three three will be the end result. Right? Yeah. And I'm willing, and and that might be right or wrong, but I'm not. But there's, but I have no interest in setting a some arbitrary goal of 1.2 and then trying to solve that answer. I don't Got want to, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to focus my brain power on solving different questions right Got now. It. And that, and, and the, in the, the 1.3, 1.5 million dollar question is just not interesting to me right now. That was beautiful. That was a perfect debate. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That was great. So the, the debate is settled then goal totally. setting versus 
No, John has goals. No, I know. John, John is I, setting goals. Sorry, one thing I want to. Yeah, there is goals. There is goals, but like, but the painting business is not the goal right now. But but exactly something that's something that's really interesting here that I just want to prefix because uh, I would hate for like a like a, um, uh, a listener. Yeah, I would hate for you know like like I would hate for like a second or third year business owner to like this is not the it's mindset. It's not a cop out. This is not the mindset you would want. No. To double your business. No. This would be like that's what Ammer had to enroll me in, which is what I described. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, if, if right now you're some franchisee who's like, oh, like I'm just gonna estimate. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. If you if you did like a hundred thousand last year and you want to do two fifty. Don't estimate anything, okay? You go out and set that goal and figure out that question, okay? Commit to it. Make yeah. a commitment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, go commit yourself to that. Try and solve that problem. You'll have fun doing it. I think there's a, there's a, there's a, great, goal. There's a great goal with that. Yeah. What I was trying to describe is like, for example, we, talked, we started off talking about it this episode. Those types of meetings that I have done in the past month to launch all of these second and first year businesses with people that are setting their goal right? Because you asked me how I determine my goal as their coach in terms of overall revenue, but they are basing their goal off of the conversion rates and all of the past year's numbers. When in reality, um, they don't necessarily, like they have a sample size that's not wrong, but it's not necessarily the most like predictive thing in terms of like, you know, it's not like it's, it's, it's predictive, but it's not, uh, the gold standard, right? And what Ammer was enrolling me in doing was saying like, look, prove that data wrong in a really good way, right? Like just mm -hmm. refine your skills, maximize your input, see how you can close in on your goal, not by working, you know, 62 hours a week, but by just optimizing what you're doing, getting really good at it, working with John and I on you know these sunday night calls that eventually turn into this podcast every week like ask us questions we're here to help you we're here to help each other let's get the three of us to 500k and what ended up happening in 2019 was ammer hit 500 john did four something 450 or something and i did 350 so you know we ended up making each other a ton of extra money and in revenue and a ton of extra value for our employees and a lot of extra work done in our community so in essence we're not saying hey john like let's just set goals like john on the basis of estimates but you know we have to also understand john has six years of data to pull from and is also going into a, a new market which is not necessarily super applicable from what his numbers are and uh, however, well, one... I'm actually really curious though. Yeah, like, I know. I know. I'm, like, I'm I know. actually like, I'm like all like, you know, just piss and vinegar. Yeah. I'm super excited yeah. to find out what, you know, what happens. One thing is for sure though, is that every Sunday night for the rest of the year, uh, the three of us will be here talking about our businesses and about key aspects that we improve on each week to help ourselves do better. And that's, that, that's something that will help our goals regardless of what they are. Right. So mm. do you know what I want to talk about? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to like totally. No, go ahead. Okay. I, I've been reading a lot about the same theme lately. And it just, I, I know that we've talked about this before, but I just want to talk about it again. Cause it just it, like, I don't know why, but I'm just obsessed with this topic over leverage and sort of the relationship um, that business owners and entrepreneurs have with risk. So, Amr and I talked a lot about this mm. when you were gone, Austin. But like, okay. 
One thing, and, and this is no disrespect to Amber and I, but Austin, I missed you when you were gone. You know? <laughs> oh no. Amber why? and I's conversation. No, no, Amber's and I's conversations were great, but like after like a year of having the three of us, it, it kind of felt like there was like one person, you know what I mean? Like it felt like there was some like like in situations where normally you would butt in, Amber and I almost feel like we're like waiting for you to you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Cause like you do bring a um like a uh, like a like an acad like you know like a structure like you know academia like you know well especially if it's about risk yeah and like decision but, no, but making really, and all this shit yeah. but i'm really curious about this because um i read this book lately called shoe dog which is just an incredible book it's Man. it's absolutely ridiculous how like I know I, I need I to read it. I think it's absolutely absurd. I need to read it. Um, do you know what's the, you know, uh, here's an observation I made. Uh, by the way, there's not really much spoiler to this because you know it has a happy ending. So there's right, no, right, right, right. And, and you already know it's a crazy story. So I won't like And just for reference, I guess if this is somebody's first episode, it's about Nike, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about Nike. Yeah. Um, what I thought was really interesting the while I was reading, like, mm-hmm. yeah, Phil Knight. Yeah. An observation I made was that, you know, uh, it was one of the, one of the few books where, Without knowing the ending, it would have zero impact on, I think, the lessons to pull from it. Yeah, it's like, you know, the ending, but you still want to read it. Like, and, and but then, but then I, well, yes, but like what I meant, what, like, I'll give you an example, though. Um, and because and, I started thinking back to like a lot of the historical, you know, just a lot of the history books that I've read over the years. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder, you know, what I mean, like, like, is the fact that like um like nazi germany lost would that have changed the lessons that we learned mm. you know like you think about like people like um like cortez you know and he goes on to um you know t- take out like uh the aztecs and things like that right like in, in central america does the fact that that like that he was victorious does that change the lessons to be learned there you know that i think like, it does. i started asking myself Potentially, right? But I, I was thinking a lot about like a lot of these stories and like which stories the ending actually matters and which ones it doesn't, right? And, and with the Phil Knight story, I, I deemed that it didn't really make a difference because it seemed like so much of his story was like the the, the conclusion really, in my opinion, was just a survivorship bias. But the rest of it had mm. some, there were some lessons to be learned. And I was wondering like what your thoughts are like on that statement that like, I wonder how many stories the ending is really just an example of survivorship bias, but amongst the story is where the actual lessons is. As in, the person could have died and it's you still would have learned the same lessons. Or the person mm. could have failed. Or think about people who failed but could have won. Because certainly some stories, like if that. Giovanni Girogo, like if oh, they Giovanni actually did Drogo. invade, that would have been a totally different story, right? That would have been a totally oh, different story. Giovanni. It would no longer would have been a cautionary tale, but rather right. A tale so that's of what you're patience. saying would be the counterpoint to your argument, then, right? In the drogue there case? is yeah, not all yeah. stories. Obvi- yeah. Obviously, some endings do matter, right? But I but but just thinking in the context of like think about stories that don't matter. Typically, it's a survivorship bias, right? So, John, if you're, at, I think there's actually two different conversations that you're having here, and I maybe we can pick them apart a little bit. In the case where, let's say, John, you somehow this year go out and. I don't know, something happens to you and you become a per- a version of yourself that we no longer can recognize. It's not you like, you know, you're just turning into a person that 
doesn't deserve to run a business, just like doing terrible things. Whatever, yeah, yeah, like you just turn into like <laughs> Amber's eyes widen. He's like heroin. Uh, uh, yeah. So you, let's say days. you turn into a drug addict and you just kind of fall apart and you ha- live a fairly you know tough life for the rest of your life. There is no argument that the value that you've brought to the past 85 episodes of this podcast would still hold. Right? So regardless of your outcome, there's still a ton of value that people can go and actually selectively listen to you kind of having causing breakthroughs for them. And we can go scroll through all of our Instagram messages that we've gotten about you really making an impact with people and Ammer and me and the podcast and whatever. Okay. Well, here's a question, Austin. Hold on. But just... That's uh-huh. where the, 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 the ending doesn't matter because you're right. There is value along the way. However, in stories like the war, um, the ending does matter because that completely dictates the further trickle down impacts of that one impact. Okay. So there's so, just two different, yes. you're kind of comparing apples and oranges in my hold opinion. Hold on. No, but hold on. But so like, yeah, let me even clarify further. So like I'll use the war example cause I, I can see where you, so mm-hmm. The reason why I say the ending, like, yes, I'm not doubting the ending has consequences. That mm. wasn't what I was necessarily trying yeah. to, like, like what I was okay. honing in on. It was the lessons. So, like, for example, Hitler being a bad leader, like, mm. if, if, if there was some miracle at D-Day where we just didn't get onto the shores, you know, like, let's say Erwin Rommel, like, because they didn't listen to Erwin Rommel, like, as much as they maybe should have during mm-hmm. D-Day. And, you know, because Rommel had argued, look, at if we beat them at the beach, we've won the war. If they get off the beach, we've lost the war. And they said, no, 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 no. Like, they, it, it's fine. Like, if they get off the beach, like, we'll try and do as much, you know. So point being, let's say they did follow Rommel. And let's say they did defeat them at D-Day. That mm-hmm. wouldn't have made Hitler a good leader. Right. Right? Like, he still would have, do you know what I mean? So, but then, but then that maybe begs the question, like, would, you know, that would have just postponed the inevitable like at some point hitler would have failed but so that's what i mean like like when like when i was reading this story about phil knight it's like it's just a crazy story of like you know and and maybe some people would disagree but it seemed like it was just like he got really lucky like there's no Mm. doubt in my mind that like if you were to run that scenario a hundred times i don't think like we were like blessed with you know with nike being Mm. you know a company because i mean it's you know I, i i run in their shoes it's fantastic right (laughs) <laughs> but it doesn't seem it doesn't like it doesn't seem like that was the likely scenario and it happened which is cool mm. but like mm. you know it well, seems what about like, endings uh, what about endings like lance armstrong where he comes out and you know he's he takes drugs and performance enhancement drugs does that mean there's nothing to learn about his 15 medals or no gold there's medals? obviously a ton to learn um, but he's on drugs what is there to learn well you know, if you ask any, um, you see how it's not, it's not a straightforward conversation, right? Like there no. is, there is things to learn. Like, uh, like an interesting thing with the Lance Armstrong, uh, like a lot of the lessons that like, that I've like learned from the Lance situation is actually like lack of integrity. Not, I mean, the, the cheating part is one thing, um, you know, cause I think there's a lot of debates of like, well, like literally, I, I think it was like the one, the one race they were on. There was like 16, like, you know, 16 competitors or something like that. And 14 of them, you know, like the guy who came like 15th came like first, you know, like when all was said and done. Mm -hmm. But so like, you know, you could argue, okay, well, you know, maybe it was a standard. But what I thought was really interesting was the way he handled denying. Oh, he denied it for a long, long time. 
yeah, like, but they've been going on public public television and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and and mm-hmm. like just looking dead in the, you know. So that's an interesting lesson to be learned. Of like, yeah, wow, in and like, of itself, yeah, that's its own. Like lesson. as a PR lesson, like that's one thing, right? But yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. I think any anywhere you look, there's a lesson to be learned with the right lens. Hmm. Hmm. I think. But one thing that, to know, John, just because the survivorship bias of Nike, I mean, if Nike didn't exist, some other thing would have. Yeah. Um, the, like, you know, maybe it's not as big of a point. As, the, the point that I was really just trying to make was I, I, I thought it was really fascinating that while reading this story, I actually just didn't care how it ended. Like, I felt like I was like, wow, like, I got what I need out of this book. The end, like, because I already knew it was a happy ending, but that didn't change my my thoughts of like how risky and how over leveraged he was. That there was no denying that, and the fact that I knew he survived didn't make me think, "Wow, I should go do this." Oh, you know, got it. Like, like imagine like you go with your buddy to the casino and he puts you know a thousand dollars on like three red and roulette, which I don't even know if three is red. I I don't mm-hmm. play roulette, so. But it is, I think. Yeah. Either way, um, and then he wins, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lesson. The lesson isn't all oh, go put three on roulette. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what win. I mean, right? And it, but so it's interesting how many of these stories, you know, and we and we and we blow them up and we over glorify these people in history, right? But it's fascinating because. But like it's kind of like you know if you think about the black swan event right we'll tie that into this a little bit too it's like mm-hmm. it's crazy though because the things that really change history are the things that mm-hmm. just tend to be the most unlikely so it's hard not to learn from the outcome yeah well it's hard not to like put so much emphasis on them because they're the things that just get emphasized mm-hmm. due to the fact that they're so the effect there's like i mean yeah like the like the, the consequences and and um you know like uh think about like hurricane katrina right like it wasn't a likely event but it totally changed the lives of millions of people right 9-11 yeah but 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 a point being though is that like i don't think that you needed to know like you didn't need to wait until hurricane katrina happened to learn the lesson of like you should be prepared right like when you like they like they could have been like in louisiana saying wow like if this unlikely event happens we're really fucked like maybe we should like take steps to prepare this you know so the outcome didn't matter like yeah but what if you could say well the lessons learned was how they reacted to hurricane katrina that the whole country can come together mm-hmm. and fund a massive um you know rescue operation and rebuilding of that area I mean, well certainly isn't that certainly a yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it I think Amr actually kind of gave away the not the correct answer, but maybe the the answer that uh, allows to explain your question, John, which is do these stories exist if you control for survivorship bias? Um and uh he said it really depends what lens you look through, uh which I think is really applicable here. So if you're trying to debate whether or not something would be absorbed the same way as a lesson, if you control for whether or not they survived, it has to, you have to ask the question, what are you looking for? Right. Are you looking for a coherent story that makes sense? And is like a, you know, um, a a nice story that like, you know, the Michael Jordan last dance documentary, that was an amazing documentary. 
right? Like there's nothing wrong with the fact that that was made. However, there's probably a lot of people that have worked just as hard as Michael Jordan at things and then didn't end up succeeding that we could actually look at for similar lessons. However, they're not getting the spotlight. So when it comes to a world of readily available information that we all have this at our fingertips, um, it's a lot more marketable and it's a lot more coherent to tell a narrative that people know and that people like to hear that brings both yeah. Ha- yeah, it brings happiness. Sorry, and, I yeah. see where the confusion is in all of this. Yeah. That's why the very first thing I stated with all of this was the relationship with over, like over leverage and then business owners mm. and entrepreneurs with risk. Sorry, I was maybe I was mm. putting enough emphasis on that. It's it's uh like think about how many stories we tell and we're only telling them because the person actually survived. Yes. 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 That's okay. not true. I hear a lot of stories of people who Ammer, brother, of course you're hearing stories of people that died. I get that, brother. But like think about how many of these stories are being told because the guy survived, but like the So what lesson... you're saying is we need to we need to interview people that fucked up is what you're saying. Well, no, I mean, I, I think it may it may have just been a small point. When I was reading Phil Knight's memoir on on Nike, I couldn't help but think the entire time that this was a man that was taking incredible risks and was was completely over leveraged, basically throughout his entire business experience and through a series of highly unlikely events that didn't ha- that didn't correlate to business skill necessarily. And certainly mm. you wouldn't necessarily call this guy a fantastic leader resulted in, you know, a highly um, successful business. But I don't think the that's like I was it was an interesting business book in that sense where I was reading this book and I and it was like it was almost like a, a story of what not to do, but ended up being <laughs> successful. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you look at like the situation like Cortez, right? Like like one of the fascinating sort of like little, you know, sub stories with the Cortez events, um, you know, the Spaniard was that. He like he was sort. Of, I think he's might be like where the the um the whole phrase like burn the ships actually came from because he like they quite literally like his guys were like we want to go back to Jamaica like we were kings there we had you know with slaves it was just amazing right they were treating us like kings, um and then Cortez now oh, we got to keep going we got to keep going right, and they burnt the ships like he literally burnt the ships so they couldn't go back to Jamaica so he forced their hand right. Hey listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Weekly Call. We just have a quick yet very important message for all of you. The three of us are currently actively in pursuit to find young, ambitious, and like-minded people that are interested in business management and business ownership roles. Roles that three to five years ago put Austin, Ammer, and John in a place where they could learn, grow, and optimize their discipline and habits. These positions are available all across Canada. So it doesn't matter if you're in Victoria, British Columbia, or St. John's, Newfoundland there is an opportunity where you are located. If you are interested in working directly with Amher, Austin, and John and learning what it takes to run an efficient and scalable business, please drop us a line at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com, all one word, for more information. Now back to this episode of The Weekly Call. But like, is that like a, is like, is that a story of that you should use that strategy? Or is that like, because I mean, the the story just as easily it was almost more likely the story would have ended with him with his guys just like killing him and then making a ship and going back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, whereas it seems like the story, the narrative has been let's burn the ships and like that's like you know what I mean? Like you hear that all the time. It's like a phrase that people mm. use, like burn the ships, right? Yeah, right. John, uh, did you consider your own bias while reading these books? 
Oh, absolutely. Like I would say that my temperament would definitely um, uh, have a, like there's definitely a lens that I have on that would, that would be different than how another person would, would view these situations based on all of my prior knowledge, based on, you know, just like, just, I mean, I tend to read books that support the conclusion that you shouldn't be over leveraged and that you should um, right. monitor your risks. Like that's definitely like a, something that's in the back of my mind Go that on. there definitely is um, like, you know, all humans are prone to confirmation bias. And certainly mm-hmm. by me buying books, like even if I just look at the books that are available to me here, you know, most of the authors are in that camp of like sort of a value investing, uh, you know, value investor approach certainly people who you know if i look at the business owners that i've looked at they're typically people who built businesses that weren't over leveraged and they were very opportunistic with people that were over leveraged and i certainly read a lot of history books that that reflect that as well um so yeah definitely there's that um but that's also why i find it so fascinating when i do read these these success you know because you can read like uh like a like a memoir of someone who wasn't over leveraged and you can read that and then you can read the memoir of someone who was over leveraged and i i just i like it's almost like that's the argument for why you know you should go down that route like a similar experience happened when i read the elon musk book like i was reading it and i was like i find it fascinating that some people would read this and be like wow i'm gonna go for it yeah so like you're saying I, it's I, am, a, I am aware it's of a lesson biases. of what not to do in some cases but it looks yeah yeah i'm fascinated like so yes amra i'm aware of the biases and i've definitely consider them like i definitely think i'm very conscious mm-hmm. of them um mainly because i'm actually reading a book about biases right now as well so i'm kind of like very mm-hmm. like yeah but the other thing too is um uh, i just i find it very fascinating that people can read these books and see them as a roadmap or see them as a what to do do you think that there's a lesson to be learned that there is no lesson that you can see from that over leveragedness I'm not sure what your question is. Do you think that there's an opportunity for you to to maybe see the value of sometimes being over leveraged instead of just completely? Well, no, there's no doubt. Not there's no it. doubt. There's okay. no doubt. There's value in like. Well, there's no doubt. There's some uh, benefit. Hence, I mean, there's a survivor. Like the, the, there is people who do survive. Like if there was a zero percent chance. <laughs> That, that you'd be successful if you started like a, like a start. No one would do it, right? Well, may, maybe some people would. And, and, you know, they would, you know, in a long enough timeline, maybe it would prove to not actually be impossible, right? So no, like I, I mean, the, it seems like the, I mean, the last three pages were dedicated to him talking about how rich he got, right? So there definitely seems to, like, I mean, obviously there's tremendous benefits to those who take incredible risks and they do pay off. Okay. Like think about all the people who invested in Tesla over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, I think it was something like, if you invested, like, I think it was like $5,500 in Tesla five years ago, you would be a Tesla is what they call you, right? A millionaire, right? And then they, there's, there's all these different a numbers. A Tesla like, dude. That's hilarious. I know, right? I was reading that in the article and I was like, this is too much like Xerox, but because they like Xerox had like these like millionaire clubs where people would all get together and talk about how they're all Xerox millionaires, Xeroxers. Yeah. That's and then whatever, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just now confused after we just had the last end of the, of our conversation on 
on why you're confused about how some of these stories I don't know. I guess I'm just confused on, on what your what yeah. your point is. We need to get the point a little bit more clear. I I'm gonna chime in here. I don't think I don't actually think there was like I think we're trying to like hone me down at one point. Do you guys not also find it fascinating that there's stories that exist where the ending is irrelevant to the lessons to be learned? Yes. Put it this way. Oh, totally. like maybe that's just not an interesting conversation. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I think thought it was an interesting point. I think there's a little bit of um. What's the word here? There's a little bit of uh, insight that you need to ask yourself sometimes or, or have in order to ask yourself this question sometimes. Um, was it like, was this intentional and calculated to get that outcome? If so, I think you can learn something by the actions and the outcome. If it was merely by chance of having done these certain things in this order and you gained a positive outcome, I think we need to question whether or not those things were directly linked or benefit or even you know predictive of your success if you if you did them so let me give you an example um in the in the rare case like so okay no let's just make it a little bit more relatable so i could say that waking up at the same hour every day getting in 15 minutes of meditation working out for 30 minutes and eating healthy all year would be well aligned with allowing me to achieve my business and and my business goals and my personal goals, right? So if somebody looked back at me at the end of the year and they went, hey, how did you accomplish these goals? And I said, well, to a certain extent, I really chalked them up to my habits and I told a coherent story about how these habits worked for me. It's still wise of you to question whether or not those habits would work for you, but ultimately you could see how objectively speaking those those two things linked to each other however it's a very big caution to have like for example i got very lucky and invested a small amount of money honestly in the grand scheme of things a small amount of money into tesla in march that has now increased like 600 percent. so if i turn around and now go like oh hey look at my ability to pick stocks uh you know, try and do that for yourself. Cause obviously like, cause if I look at the returns from like the, the, the safe bets I took, right. in the stock market measly, right. Like measly returns given the, given the, 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 the how much the market's gone up relevant to how much the market's gone up meet measly returns. What's, what's a huge return. I got really lucky on this one stock pick. Why did I pick Tesla? Eh, like, I thought they were a cool company that if you asked me in March, why I'd pick them, that's, that would be my answer. So if I'm going to change my answer to self-serve myself and have like hindsight bias, it's up to you, the listener to kind of pick apart my BS and kind of, you know, like when the person you, you use the world war two as an example, John, when the person that caught Hitler, did they catch Hitler because they were planning and calculating it and figured out a solution to capture him? Or did they get lucky? Right? Like, you look at um, the guy who, um, I think it's Sir Robert Penrose or Roger Penrose or something, the guy that shot Bin Laden. Um, he was, all, by the way, on, recently on, on Gad Sad's podcast. Um, really great podcast. He actually had a really cool series of podcasts. He had um, Newer Bin Laden, who is Osama Bin Laden's niece on, 
who's who escaped to Switzerland with her mother when she was an infant and was raised as a German Swiss. Swiss. Is her last name still legally Bin Laden? Bin Laden? Yeah. Is so, that like what like like the teacher reading her name yes, off roll call says yes, Bin Laden? Yes, her name oh, is Noor Bin Laden. What a curse! But, so Gad had her on. Everybody, you should go listen to the Gad Sad podcast. Absolutely amazing. Uh, or no, it's called it's called the Sad Truth. Actually, is the name of his podcast with two with A's, two A's with two A's. Yeah, the Sad Truth. Um, you know what's funny? The next episode though, he had the guy that killed Bin Laden on. Like, oh. so it was just so cool to listen. And she knew he was coming on too. And she's obviously like, yeah, my, my uncle was a, you know, like she's talking to Gad about like how her, like she's not necessarily defending anything. Right. Um, she's explaining how her mother escaped her from her family. But anyway, Crazy. But anyway, the listen, I, I would encourage you guys to go listen to this podcast because I want you to listen how this, uh, seal team six soldier, uh, describes the killing of bin laden right because to a certain extent yeah you got really lucky you caught him in a really unfortunate time like you got really lucky to catch bin laden and kill him with that much ease right like do you guys remember when bin laden was killed it was like this it was just like oh he's dead like there was no like they figured out where he was they went over he was kind of relatively unguarded and they killed him with a, with a couple isn't there a, i haven't seen it but isn't there a really good movie on this uh zero, i'm not sure zero dark zero dark oh, yeah, yeah that yeah. movie sucks don't watch that movie okay it sucks okay. it's trash don't go okay. near that movie okay 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 <laughs> so anyway zero dark 30 is the worst thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> okay so sorry it just goes to show you that like some people are going to recount that story a million different ways, right? You had so many different perspectives. You had this soldier over here, the guy that shot him. You obviously have the side of Bin Laden's uh, people, right? Like how did Bin Laden, how did his army feel after that? Like how did they tell the story? How people did his, tell his girlfriend feel, right? Yeah. <laughs> people are going to tell the story a bunch of different ways. I would just say to answer your question, John, and to kind of bring a little bit of overarching value to this conversation for people that are listening here, understand how to ask the right questions in order to pick apart whether or not what you're listening to is a valuable um, trait to take on. I don't think that, you know, if I list, if I listed, if Tesla keeps going up and I keep making money there, it would be very, I, but I could still do it very easily. Like you could like, you could see a lot of people doing online, you know, you get all the quick swipe ups for like, Hey, I'll teach you, you know, copy trade me. I'll teach you how to make a ton of money in the stock market. That is, you have to ask yourself, like, is that actually true? And can you predict that across different levels, across different people, across different situations? But if you say, Hey, like, you know, if you have a goal to run a business and you want to be a better person and you want to wake up and, and adopt better habits and eat better and get healthy and you want to, you know, say, hey, I think it's really because of this that I achieved my goals. You know, people, I believe they're just to be, you're having two different conversations. So I don't think that with Phil Knight, you can actually say that what he did earned him Nike. I haven't read the book, but that's what you're saying, right? Is that there's a lot of lessons that you could learn from that book where it's like, huh, you know, you probably got a bit lucky there. If I did that, I don't know if I could see that working out for me. The question yeah. is, how do you know when yeah. you're wrong if you haven't experienced it yet? So how do you know, John, that not being over leveraged in terms of, you know, borrowing money against your name from a bank to leverage your net worth? I'm over leveraged right now. By reading history. Mm. 
And I guess there's no better book to read than this one right here in order to understand that. Well, there's that. Well, wait, wait, quick, John, I want to ask book. you about that. I wanna, how many times did you read The 48 Laws of Power? How many times have I read The 48 Laws of Power? Yeah. It depends how you define read because it's not a book that you just read from front to back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, like certain yeah, rules I'm not yeah. gonna read most likely, but yeah, yeah like I, I don't even know if I've read every law. I, I would I would tend to think I probably have, but I don't know if I have. But there is certainly like there is certain laws that I've read like you know eight ten times like often, right? Which one? Because I'm reading this book now. Probably and- probably law number one. Really. Don't outshine the master. Hmm. Why would you read that eight to ten times? That seems pretty straightforward. Um, it seems straightforward, but but like, there's a lot of things that are straightforward that I don't think that people actually follow through with. Hmm. Something I've already read twice, even though I haven't even read a quarter of the the laws, are uh, is law number four: always say less than necessary. That's a great law. That's a great law. Yeah. And the little excerpt there, which all, which piqued my interest so much, it said, when you are trying... Wait, well, hold on. But that context is to strangers, right? Like, not to friends. There is a... I, I, one of my favorite there is parts a transgression. about this book you, is that yeah. there's a reversal at the end of every... Yeah. At the end yeah. of every... It, it's great, because it'll show you how the opposite could be true and when to use it. Um, judgment. Uh, so, so the law number four, always say less than necessary. When you are trying to impress people with words, the more you say, the more common you appear and the less in control. Even if you are saying something banal, it will seem original if you make it vague, open-ended and sp- sphinx-like. Powerful people impress and intimidate by saying less. The more you say, the more likely you are to say something foolish. One of the things that I actually really like about the 48 Laws of Power is that I think a lot of times when I hear people reading the book and they end up not liking it, <laughs> I think it's because they look, it's because I, I believe that one of the main reasons why people tend to not like the book when they first read it is because they're viewing it only from an offensive standpoint. When you read the book as a means of defense, the book changes, it, it's, it's, its entire meaning changes tremendously. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm learning these tools to defend myself from somebody out there who could manipulate me. Well, it's just fascinating to learn about what, you know, like tendencies, like human tendencies and, and strategies that human you humans use on one another to get power. Like there's, there's like one law, basically essentially talking about lying. Okay. Like you, it's like use the truth selectively or something like that or strategically. Like there's some, there's something like that. I forget the wording of it exactly, but you know, I don't advocate for lying. However, it's really fascinating to read about how people's strategies differ on lying. Yeah. And how you can then use that in a defensive way. So you could read that and be like, oh, that's so dirty. I don't want to lie. It's like, well, yeah, but like, like that's too idealistic because people do lie. So you would want to know how to defend yourself against it, right? I really like that perspective. Yeah. Because, yeah, some of those laws when I saw, I'm like, what the heck? Oh, they're this? horrible. Some of them are. But like, but the thing is, is it's like whether or not you think they're horrible doesn't change the fact that people do them. You do, yeah. That's right, like, right like, like, and 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 that's actually like, like, kind of bring it back to the over leverage thing too. It's like, you know, whether or not uh, someone, like, there's there's fantastic stories in history of people getting fabulously rich um, from being over leveraged, 
and there's fabulous story, you know, there's stories of people getting uh, taking t- tremendous risk and and falling and, and and all failing and just and it just I mean, there's actually less stories about people failing because they just tend not to write about those people. But there is a lot of people who took incredible risk, got rich, and then collapsed. Like the collapse seems to be a pretty popular. One um, thing, thing I I look at and something I I I think that a lot of people, just in terms of this generation of being really present on social media should take into consideration as a law um win through your actions never through argument law number nine i think that yeah that's a fantastic that's actually similar to the uh be impressive not like don't impress Mm -hmm. but be impressive it's similar win through your actions never through argument like you're not gonna yeah yeah, like understanding that winning an argument gets you absolutely nowhere (laughs) you know like in the grand scheme of things like it just gives you the illusion that you don't have to do much yeah i I always wanted to be in a debate club when i was younger i wanted to be the best debater like you want to get the notoriety of being a good debater and then i realized you can't win a debate against somebody who doesn't respond to you and it's like Oh, and then they just like take action instead, you know? Well, it's like, mm, it's like one gold. of the interesting things is that, so the reason why I didn't really like debate club is because it seemed like it was less about getting to the truth, but rather about like scoring points and, and like, correct. Getting, you know, it's like, oh, this winning. is the flashiest guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like remember that one debate we, that you sent me? Yeah, yeah dude, we like, talked about guy, this in April. Yeah. Like, see, like I actually, <laughs> I really, I is really, really Shapiro? enjoy. No, 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 no. no. Um, and I would actually say that Ben Shapiro, just as a side note, I would say that Ben Shapiro is very much dedicated to the truth. And that's one yeah. of the things I respect about him. Because no, but he's just a really good debater as well. He's like, incredible good debater. Yeah. But but he, you know, interestingly though, like I think one of the reasons why he's such a great debater is because he seeks the truth. Hmm. Because like, there's Not a lot the of people flashiness who, or the points, yeah. Well, he he definitely has a bit of flair. Like you can tell that he has a background in you know he's a he was a lawyer so i mean he has a background in in proper like you know like his you know he, he's mastered philosophy 101 like, as far as like you know uh you know logical reasoning but it's hmm. one of the things that's really fascinating about um ben shapiro is that he actually has a website dedicated to all of the times that he was wrong yeah and he documents you can it. go to yeah it's, it's fascinating yeah. you can go to his you can go yeah. to his website and you go to where i was wrong and all it is is he actually hires like a, like a team of people like i think there's like 10 people that he's hired or you know whatever number mm-hmm. that all they do is go through and find things that they think that he said is wrong bring it to his attention and then he's like yeah no that was wrong and then they put it on the website and link it so if there's a video they link it to where it's like hey just so everyone knows this was wrong yeah dude so he has a he, he has a dude he has a team of fact checkers right so that's why like any t- but if you look at it though like that's it dude like that shows dedication to the truth i mean if you're so dedicated to the truth that you're actually spending your own dollars just to let people know when you were wrong dude that's that's deep right i mean it, donald trump would be like like he would be the poorest man in the world if, that, if he had to hire a team that was <laughs> out here fact checking the brother <laughs> yeah that's that's well played um you guys want to go into uh, Whack versus Wise? Whack versus Wisdom. Let's do it. Yeah. This time, I have a little something that might make it Wise versus Wise. Hold okay. on. You guys have like a brief chat. I'm going to go grab the Wisdom. One second. Okay. Go do it. Sounds yeah, good. I'll try and pull this up. So, Austin, what's cool about this song is that I've never heard a song like this where at the end of the song, the rapper gets on and gives advice. Love it. 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, hold on. Let me let me open this up. Uh, uh, pull this up here. Yeah, I I, I love this song. This is the song that I was That's singing. The, is that the, yeah? Okay, I was just about to that. I was humming to myself. Yeah, before we started. Okay, let's see. There it is. Alright, I'm pulling it up. Is John back? Yes, he's back. Okay, John, get it ready. Okay, hold on. second. Get it ready. Okay, here we go. What are you doing, dude? You finding the right segment? Oh, what the heck? Hold on. This just goes to show we're so prepared for these podcasts. It's not even funny. Got Amber yeah, searching the web. We got John us. flipping in the books. I, yeah. I swear to God, yeah, anytime, I had yeah. this somewhat. Anytime somebody accuses us of having a good podcast, please, please refrain. <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, anytime someone claims that, that we come organized or that no. we pre-script this, there's no chance. No. Um... um Oh, I think it was actually the other direction. One second. Amber, what are you doing? It sounds like you're playing like a click game. No, no, no. I'm just finding the right the the, the right place to to. Yeah, yeah. I found it. I found it. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, so, but this is going to be so... wise versus wise. So it's like a uh, a wise rap song. Yeah. So, um, uh, John, like I was saying, the reason I'm picking this song is because it has like a part of the song that's pretty wise. But then at the end, when the music stops, one of the rappers just starts giving life advice, and uh, I think it's it's not bad. It's not bad. So I, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you guys decide. I'm not gonna okay. say anything else. Okay. So this is um, yeah. I'll share I'll share a screen here. This share this audio. is this is Wiz Khalifa, believe it or not, and Juicy J, and the song is Respect. Okay. Mm. Respect, Austin. Which one of the rappers gets on and gives advice? Uh, it's Juicy J. It's okay. Juicy J's verse, and Juicy J comes in at the end. So, all right. All right without further ado, here, here we go. Hustling, 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 hustling. That's all respect. When you go hard, you go hard, and don't stop until ain't nothing left. I got all my pockets overweight. Appetite for all this cake, money man. I still run this game. I'm in perfect shape. Moon rocks keep me high. Two socks burn one. Pippin' and play close attention, you might learn some. My family is all I need. I make sure that we gon' eat overtime. 25 hours, eight days a week. I remember back when I was broke. How could I forget? Nine bathrooms in my crib. I got a pot to piss. Smile on my mama face when I bought her a new home. Mama, we finally made it. Them hard times is gone. Finally made it legit. Ain't no way I'ma quit. Got a cone full of guacamole. Let's go get these chips. So that was the verse. Okay. Th there's there's some wisdom there, and I'm gonna come to the end here, and I think he jumps on. 
Okay, okay. So he just comes in and, and just starts yeah. uh, solo. Nigga, keep it real with your motherfucking self and grind for your motherfucking self. If you looking for another nigga, if you looking for another nigga to put food on your motherfucking table, nigga, you dumb as fuck. You a stupid ass nigga. You should go fucking take a gun and put it to your brains and blow your own goddamn brains out. You stupid. <laughs> I mean, don't be begging no nigga for shit, nigga. Get your lazy ass up. Get out here and work, nigga. You know what I'm saying? That's how we get this bread, nigga. We hustle, nigga. We gotta be out here, man. Up early in the motherfucking morning, man, to the next motherfucking morning, man. You know what I'm saying? How you think a nigga's supposed to get this shit? This shit don't, money don't grow on trees. Shit don't fall out the sky, nigga. You know what I'm saying? I know you over there high and shit, you know what I'm saying? Niggas die for this shit, man. Niggas out here on some real grind, nigga. There's some fucked up motherfuckers out here, man. You know what I'm saying, man? When the real life situations kick in, your motherfucking kids hungry, your bills due, your motherfucking car broke down, man. Nigga, you gonna be sick in the motherfucker, man. We still gonna be getting money. We gonna be getting high. We gonna be in the strip club. We gonna be bringing in the bags left and motherfucking right. Bringing them bitches in, throwing that shit out like trash, nigga. We gonna be getting high as fuck. <laughs> Laughing at you old stupid ass niggas out here, man. The fuck out of here, man. Kill your motherfucking self, nigga. Okay. I okay, mean, if you would have subtracted out the last 15 seconds. Like, you may have had a case, but how? And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, don't so know, other than like that last piece of it. <laughs> other than that last piece of advice where he tells you yeah i think there was some gold there you know you can you can get it one way or another but ah oh, man john read me these lyrics okay here we go all my pockets overweight appetite for all this cake money man i still run this game i'm in perfect shape moon rocks keep me high as tube socks bird one Keep it pimping and pay close attention. You might learn something. My family is all I need. I make sure that we got or that we gonna eat. Pause right here. Overtime. I think I've heard John say this in different forms up until this point, to be honest. Me too. Yeah. Over time, 25 hours, eight days a week. I remember back when I was broke. How could I forget? Nine bathrooms in my crib. I got a pot to piss. My look, my mama's face when I bought her a new house. My mom, we finally made it. Them hard times is gone. Finally made it legit. Ain't no way I'm gonna quit. Got a full or got a cone full of guacamole. Let's go get these chips. I think it's the first time I didn't swear. Yeah. Oh my! There's no swear word in here. I didn't even think about that. But yeah. then there's like eighty-seven Although, in the last verse. I, I think every second word. Act more accurately. Yeah. Okay, There's I no lyrics have, for his rant, but uh, I actually wait. What do you think of the rant? What do you think of the rant at the end? I mean, there's value in it in the same. Like, I think I've overused this, and Amra, I know you don't like this analogy, but I mean, if you were thirsty, technically, you could drink, you know, alcohol, or you could drink beer or something like that. Mm, I've never heard thirst. that analogy. Yeah, that's pretty it's good. Not necessary. I think the one I used before was you could drink a cup full of pee and water, but. Oh yeah, I don't. That makes no sense. Yeah, you don't like me. that one. Anyway, point <laughs> no. being, yes, you could. Um, I just, I feel like, you, like, like, you could read, like, like, you know, actually, you know what? Matter of fact, I, I almost feel like Ammer, you and I have like some sort of like telekin, you know, like how can you? What's that when you when you can speak to one another? Telepathy. 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 Okay. okay, telepathy. Okay, look at this is literally just like the more intelligent version of what that guy said. Okay. Yeah. Like in his <laughs> no way. <laughs> okay, let's see. This. No, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay I'm, I'm so excited. For I feel this. like I'm you so and excited. I just hit each other too hard. 
Um, I actually have two things I want to read. So we can talk about this first one, and then there's okay. a longer one at the end. But the one at the end is, is great. Okay. okay, here's the first one that's just the more intelligent version. Where's this from? Um, this is uh, uh, from a speech from Warren, uh, sorry, for, uh, a speech from Charlie Munger. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah, I actually have a book just full of speeches by him. and it's Oh, fabulous. Charlie's Almanac. One of my friends. Poor Charlie's got, Almanac, his, yeah. Yeah, one of my mom's friends got him that for Christmas. It's it's absolutely yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. It's really expensive, but like it's totally worth it. It's not even a book. Yeah, there's like it's, pictures it's a Bible, and everything. Essentially, yeah, it's fantastic. Wow, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so here it is. What are the core ideas that have helped me? Well, luckily, I had the idea at a very early age that the safest way to try to get what you want is to try and deserve what you want. It's such a simple idea. It's a it's the golden rule. You want to deliver to the world what you would buy if you were on the other end. There is no ethos, in my opinion, that it is better for any lawyer or the other person to have. By and large, the people who have had this eth ethos win in life, and they don't win just money and honors. They win the respect, the deserved trust of the people they deal with. And there is huge pleasure in life to be obtained from getting deserved trust. Wow, that's awesome. Is that not that. just like a really fat, like I, I read that like the other night before I went to bed and I just sat there for 30 minutes thinking to myself, what a simple idea that is. Mm. I'm gonna read that mm. one more time. I'm gonna read it just the one sentence just cause it's so clear. It's so concise. The safest way to try to get what you want is to try to deserve what you want. <laughs> yeah. Is that not just the most concise way of saying put in the work? <laughs> <laughs> like and, and and do no wrong like do things as though they were meant to be done yeah like that's yeah. like that's like that honestly like that is the most concise well-worded statement like i've read in so long that i was like be a good depths to that be right? a good person yeah because the word deserve is so perfectly placed there hey yeah because mm. we always talk about entitlement yeah. you know but he's not talking about that yeah yeah, you know what's Here's funny? This. I act, oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I always ask myself when I'm building like this course and this program, like, would I buy this, and would mm. I would have gotten value from this? Yeah, I liked that point too, right? Like, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's always like the back of my mind when Patrick and I are making something new. It's like, do we actually need this? Would we get value from this, or is this fluff? And it's mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. Like, I wish somebody told me this. I wish somebody told me that. And, it also um, kind of helps you also like when you look at it from a perspective of like uh, try and bring to the marketplace what you would want to buy if you're on the other end. Mm -hmm. It kind of also in a sense because like the, like because the, I, I genuinely believe that like my business has evolved over the years to actually be the business that that actually best suits me. And in a selfish way, like I've built my business that way because what my business delivers, in my opinion, and, and what I'm aiming to build even more so is a very reliable and stable and just like just a business that you can like really, truly rely upon. Because mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this before, but I'm a very anxious person. And I really, I find it very challenging when, when uh, like I don't like instability. I mean, it, you know, there was an episode where Amra and I talked about my childhood and that was kind of one of the first moments I really, it really clicked with me why I probably just dislike instability so much because I just faced so much of it growing up. And so it's interesting because it's like, I tend to get along with people who are also seeking stability. Like a lot of my clients who are like, yeah, I just want to buy something and just know that it works. Those people buy from me and I love doing business with them and they love doing business with me. But it's interesting how, you know, I want to meet a client who is willing to just gamble, right? And they are willing to take significant risks and not necessarily pay mm -hmm. for the product they know they want, but they're willing to, you know, maybe gamble a little bit on the cheaper guy. 
you know, I can almost feel better in the sense like, oh yeah, like, you know what? Like that guy also designed a product and there's people who want that. So I don't know, something I thought mm-hmm. about. Okay, well, I want to hear the second. Yeah, this one is just a fantastic story that I'm actually going to try and work into my life a lot because this is just such a great, this one. Um, same book? Same same speech, same speech. Uh, okay. This one, I will admit, and I think a lot of people actually can probably admit to this. Um, I was sort of embarrassed. I was like, shit, you know? And, 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 and I'm, let's see if you guys have a similar reaction. Okay. I frequently tell the um, story about Max Planck. After he won the Nobel Prize, he went around Germany. By the way, I'm going to try and read this because it's a speech, so the wording is a little awkward. Yeah. Um, after he won the Nobel Prize, went around Germany giving a, a same standard lecture on the new quantum mechanics. Over time, his chauffeur memorized the lecture and said, Hey, would you mind Professor Planck? Because it's so boring to stay in our routine if I gave the lecture in Munich and you just sat in the front wearing my chauffeur's hat. Planck said, why not? And the chauffeur got up on on stage and gave this long lecture on quantum mechanics, after which a physics professor stood up and asked a perfectly ghastly question. The uh, The speaker said, well, I'm surprised that in an advanced city like Munich, I get such an elementary question. I'm actually going to ask my chauffeur to reply. Oh my! <laughs> That's so dirty, man. Wait for this lesson there. Wait for the no. Wait for the wisdom here. This this hit me so hard. Well, the reason I tell this story is not to celebrate the quick wittedness of the protagonist. In this world, I think we have two kinds of knowledge. One is plank knowledge that of of that the people really know what they're talking about they've paid the dues they have the aptitude they've got sorry they've paid the dues they have the aptitude then we have what's called chauffeur knowledge they have learned to prattle the talk they may have a big head of hair they often have fine timber in their voices they make a big impression but in the end what they've got is chauffeur knowledge masquerading a real as real knowledge I think I've just described practically every politician in the United States. The audience claps. You are going to have this problem in your life of get. Sorry, you're going to have the problem of getting. You're going to have the problem in your life of getting as much responsibility as you can into the people with the plank knowledge and stay away from the people who have the chauffeur knowledge. And there are huge forces working against you. What do you have? So the sh- the chauffeur question instilled a chauffeur answer is what I'm understanding from that. Little well, no, it's there. just that the chauffeur, like like the chauffeur memorized the speech because he went to so many speeches with this. Exactly. This, exactly. Yeah. And he was able to recite it. But as soon as someone actually asked a question, he fell apart. He's, I mean, now yes. take in mind, he had a very, like the most baller response ever, mm-hmm. um, you know, so quick-witted but but i really like that idea of chauffeur knowledge you know because i find myself thinking to myself you know i wonder how many times i'm telling something and it's really just me repeating whereas if someone asked me a question i wonder how quickly i would fall apart what did marcus aurelius what what did he title those people what was the um marcus aurelius had a name that was not marcus aurelius that was no i know i know but marcus aurelius talk talks about these philosophers that help me out here they, they, they 
what's the word he gave to philosophers that talk a lot of talk, but they don't live it. They don't actually know what they're talking about. They're just reciting what they read. I don't know if that was Marcus Aurelius. Um, I believe that might have been Seneca or Epictetus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, well, it's actually it's interesting that you say that because it's actually at the core of Stoic philosophy, which is that philosophy as a way of life. Whereas mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. a long era of people who were philosophizing. Okay. Yeah, but what are, what are the calls of these these people? What what's the term he he gave them? It was a really nicely put term. I I, I it's, don't, it's I easy. Don't know what term you're looking for. It's an easy word, but it's, it escaped my head. But either way, I digress. It'll come to me. I mean, no, in a I sense, re- they're. But it, I find I just thought it was. I just thought it was close, really close. fascinating that that like, I I just I had never really made that distinction between chauffeur and 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 but it's something that I think is lost in society right now. I think a lot of people have chauffeur knowledge and they're writing articles and they're posing as the people that have this knowledge, but because there's a lack of dialogue in society right now, I wonder how many of these journalists or these Facebook articles after even just a slight glint would just disappear, right? Mm-hmm. Like they would just fall yeah. apart. And it seems like all of like a, a good portion of the knowledge um, in society and and, 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 and and at the very end there, he says, um, he's, he talks about how like the forces are working against you, right? And I can't help but think that I'm just so blessed and so fortunate because I don't actually, like, I, I feel like I actually live in a separate world than most people. And, I, and sometimes I, like, like kind of, like, so, like, slip into the other world a little bit and I realize how w- different my world is from most people's right now because yeah. I, my only information take is basically I sit on a fucking chair and basically read all day. Like that's like that's like my information, and then I talk to you guys, and I talk to brilliant people, and I talk to all the best people I know. You know, the smartest people, like you know, people like Austin, people like Ammer. You know, I, you know, people are always calling me, and, and I'm having these fantastic conversations with just the, you know, just really smart people. You're in your own very good bubble. Yeah, it's just a great bubble. I'm talking to people, hopefully, who have more plank knowledge than chauffeur knowledge. Whereas it's va- mm. it's fascinating when I hear, you know. Like when I, you know, when, when I'm in a, uh, you know, in a store, or I, the other day I was in, um, that I was at the coffee shop and this is like 730 in the morning and there's this lady who's going off about, you know, how JFK is still alive and how the Nazis are actually still like, you know, she was going off on all these conspiracy theories, like to the, to the person, um, just serving coffee. Like it was such a random, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it was one of those ones where like there was like a very loose connection. The person's like, "Oh, how's your day today?" And she's like, "Oh, it's it's Friday. It's going fantastic." How's my and, day today? And Friday uh, starts how about with an Trump? F, and yeah, JFK is still alive. Like it was one of the oh, it was one of those like loose connections. God. But and I just remember thinking to myself like, "Huh? Like I wonder like if I was able to ask her questions, it just seems like this would just collapse in and of itself, right?" Mm-hmm. So I read that the night and I just thought to myself, "Fuck!" Like I. I need to like, it almost humbled me in a sense that like, I wonder how many things I'm prancing around like, ha ha ha, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. And then realistically, if someone asked me a question and I feel like I hit Austin pretty good. I don't think that with, I mean, I, I have a little bit of a, a, I don't know. I feel like when you feel like you've earned the right to, kind of uh delegate something like that like in the in in the language of plank versus the chauffeur like when you've earned the ability to delegate that level of uh speech or or information it's like 
I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of um, like I I got like a a little bit of ego from that, which makes sense. But I, I just want to know what you guys think about that. Like, do you think ego is present there at all with the plank story? I uh, like for who? What? For the person yeah, saying? I, I, I maybe I kind of misinterpreted it because I don't know if like he, okay, there's a there's a chauffeur. And there's a, a, a Nobel P, uh, Nobel Prize winner in science. Mm-hmm. You know okay. who Max? You know Max Planck? No, like you know you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so he like he discovered like quantum physics. Like it's huge. So Nobel, Max Nobel is giving a speech all across Europe at multiple venues, and his chauffeur is with him the entire time. And and remember, chauffeur, back in the day, they don't know people's faces. Like they don't know what Max and looks chauffeur. Like, right? Had the chauffeur had heard his speech so much that he memorized it, and so he jokingly said, "Hey, why don't you just let me give this next speech? Because like I'm just getting sick and tired of listening to it." And the sh- and, and Max says, "Sure, go up on stage and do it." So Max took the chauffeur's hat, and the chauffeur gave the presentation, and he and he gave it perfectly. But the moment that someone asked hey, like, here's some question that's, like, super hyper-specific about quantum physics. The chauffeur said, like, the chauffeur, and now the chauffeur very, like, quick-wittedly passed it off to the real Max Planck saying, oh, that's so basic that I'm just going to let my chauffeur do it. Like, that's a quick-witted <laughs> response. But yeah, in reality, the reason why the chauffeur passed it off is because he didn't actually know. Like, he knew how to give the speech, but he didn't understand the material. So he right. knew the words to say. He didn't know the connections. Like, he didn't know Wait, what John. actually... Didn't it specifically say that the question asked was not a good question at all? No, it was ghastly, as in like, um, uh, like as in a, oh. a very difficult question. Oh, I, I thought ghastly was bad. No, like a very difficult question. So rather than oh, answering it, he's bad. like, difficult. like he was trying okay. to pose as if he was so smart. He's like, oh, that's such a basic question that I'd let my chauffeur oh, answer God. it. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, the word I was looking for was charlatan. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, charlatan. Yeah, charlatan. And I found an even better one. I I, I did some... Um, well, Socrates had this sort of similar sort of thing, right? Here's a word that describes this perfectly. Um, a dilettante. A, a dilettante is someone with an interest, wow. but only superficial knowledge on a subject. A dilettante. So chauffeur knowledge, basically. Yeah. So that's where that, so yeah, Austin, Word that, of the day, does that, does that clarify things for you? No, it totally does. I'm just thinking like how the Think way he handled who, it. No, no, no. The way he handled it was um, protecting his ego, I guess is like the only thing I was saying. Oh was like, yeah. I guess you could say that for sure. Yeah. yeah. You could say that for sure. Cause yeah. like he didn't go, Hey, you know what? Like just full disclosure, I totally fucked this up. Cause clearly I'm not the person for the speech. This is actually Max Planck. He's going to finish this off. He went like, Oh, you're, you're an idiot for even asking that. My chauffeur is going to answer it. Like, I understand it's a joke, like it's a comedic role, but it's like he played more into the charade. I mean, deep down, he must understand that he was totally wrong for doing that. But yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, totally. I, I, I think that like what Charlie was just merely trying to yeah. bring up was just. It, it, I think it's a good story to. You just need really... to be able to field the questions, uh, in order to be deemed. Um, a full expert like you know you can't have dilettante knowledge well no but think about so consider this like when you're interviewing people you would want to be able to decipher between chauffeur knowledge so someone who just knows how to give a good interview and someone who's legitimately a good person right because think about well i mean hey i'll tell you what lance armstrong right like in a i mean this is not quite this doesn't quite work but close enough you know he obviously knew the words to say 
in order to come off as an honest, integrous mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. on live. T- you know, he, the, the tears and the crying and the, this is so hard in my family. You know, like it just gives the whole speech. It was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that's why after asking him questions, everyone's like, this guy's full of shit, right? Because they just started asking questions, right? And um, yeah, also I like think that uh, like, Elizabeth Holmes it's actually a debate tactic. Have you guys heard of that? The Elizabeth Holmes Oh my Theranos? God, dude. Her voice was so freaky. Dude, it's such Wait, who's a Elizabeth good, Holmes? it's such a good freaking podcast series, man. It's six episodes. Oh, you got to listen to it, Hammer. Okay, look. But who's Elizabeth Holmes? So she is, it's so crazy. she was at one point the richest woman in the world uh, and it was all a scam. It was, uh, she tried to design a fraud, blood testing. Yeah. It was fraudulent. She tried to design a blood testing system that you would only need a pinprick of blood for. And take a mind, like Safeway lost something like two hundred million dollars. It was um, Walgreens. Walgreens yeah. lost a ton of money on them because they had. Like, I think dude, Walgreens owned Safeway, but that I may be wrong. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, dude, you got to look this How up. How much I blood found, do you even need for a blood test? Uh, Quite a, a bit. different vial for every one, almost. Quite a bit. Um, but yo, like you got to look this up. Like, um, she's out of prison now. She yes. married, um, yeah, she, yeah, she's out of prison. She married like the like the hair to like, like some like uh, like hair hotel or air, air. Sorry, air. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I thought I was saying it wrong. But yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Um, but it's interesting because, but there's, uh, yeah, because she, she she knew what to say, Ammer, but over time it was exposed. Yeah, but it's it's interesting actually. Knowledge. This is this is actually a very. Um, uh, effective debating tactic as well, right? That, uh, and, and Ben Shapiro utilizes this tremendously. When someone starts using like big words and big definitions and things like that, you just ask them to define the words and almost always they're going to fall apart if they don't know what they're talking about. Like if someone starts mm-hmm. using all these like, like you know, like, uh, like uh, I don't even know, I'm just going to be like, yeah, dilettante, dilettante. But, no, I'm, no, but like, like, you know, like they'll start using like uh, um, you know, some sort of like, like Shut- neoliberal and things like that, you know, like oh. they'll start using like, like oh, John, like, that's a very mischievous, uh, deceitful, chicanerous, and deplorable that you're, uh, you know, saying this. But like that. in a political debate, though, people will just say things they've heard, oh. you know, like they'll use like they'll use like, uh, you know, just just words that they've heard on podcasts and things like that that they don't really fully understand the meaning of and they don't understand the mm-hmm. connections that people have made. And that's the chauffeur knowledge, right? And then it's interesting when someone with chauffeur knowledge argues with someone who actually knows because it's like, whoo, this is going to be good. And that's actually, mm-hmm. Ammer, why when you asked, it would be so cool to have someone who's an anti-vaxxer with someone who is actually like legitimate knowledge. This is actually just, a, this, is, oh, this is actually a really good so way of Austin, summing up. I had this idea of whack versus wise where I would get somebody who, uh, who I know um, who thinks the COVID vaccine is like a very dangerous uh, vaccine that is part of a giant world domination agenda. And getting them with another friend of mine who actually worked on the delivery system of the COVID vaccine in the labs of Moderna. So guy who actually worked that, I want to have them a debate. They can hash out a whack versus <laughs> and, and, and Austin, I live. said that. And I think it it's the greatest be- idea. Oh, why ever. not? Why can't we do that? No, but Austin, so, well, this is why. So I explained to Amr that I said it, it would be interesting in the same way that it would be fun to watch like a, like a midget get beat up by like Mike Tyson. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's terrible. <laughs> 
Well, no, okay. No, 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 no. He has a point. I'm not kidding, though. No, no, no. Hold on. I I stand by that. I mean, it's funny, but like, but like, I stand by that. And what I mean is that it. (laughs) Sorry, I don't even know where that came from. Yeah, that was deep. Okay, so no, I get it. Like, they're just going to be speaking two different languages. No, but but if but like someone, no, it's not even two different languages. It would be someone with chauffeur knowledge versus someone with real knowledge because. The one person could memorize a bunch of random like gibberish of why it is that they're against it, but it ultimately yeah. those would just completely collapse once you start actually asking questions yeah. about their position, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like this guy knows the chemistry down to the nano of what's happening in the vaccine, can explain the RNA manipulation and and all that. And oh, actually, yeah, I tell you, Trisha yeah. got the vaccine. Nice, good stuff. Does that mean you have to get it too because you live with her or no? No. No. Interesting. What does she think? Her okay, so this is this is such a random like Hey everyone, oh. this is when you can turn out tune out of the podcast if you yeah. want to just get, you know. <laughs> No, 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 no. So I here's just ended there. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is I actually want to tell this cuz it's I find it funny, but um oh, anyway, so so I was joking because you know, we were talking about the potential side effects of the vaccine and i said you know and, and of course trish is like you know because my grandfather was a doctor and so we phoned my my grandfather and we were talking with him about you know what you know his opinion right you know because he's like the most qualified person i know mm-hmm. as far as that goes uh in the medical field so mm-hmm. we're talking with him and and we were kind of joking about the side effects and and well they were talking seriously i was joking saying like oh what if there's positive side effects and they're like like what i'm like what if her boobs get bigger right <laughs> Like, what if there's just, you know what I mean? Like, like, like how come people are always talking about like, you know, like headaches and things like that? Fever? Yeah, like, it's what possible. If just, that yeah. What if like, I'm like, yeah, happen. I was like, honestly, like low key, like what if, right? And then no <laughs> fucking word of a lie. Trisha oh. has gone up one bra size since getting the vaccine. Dude, you're so full of shit. It's not. No, I am hundred percent not. No, but I like, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you that it happened. I just think. That oh, it's obviously, like, my conclusion is totally biased, and and there's yeah. other things that probably happened. But dude, straight up, <laughs> that is so funny. I could go buy oh, her new bras. Man. Like it is crazy. Oh, Wait, which, did she take the fight the Pfizer or the uh, Moderna one? I think it was Pfizer. Uh, yeah, that's the problem right there. So gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen, you gotta get, get a Moderna there. one. You gotta get the Moderna. Gotta get that Pfizer vaccine. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Gentlemen, this was a, this was a great conversation. Uh, a little bit of. Um, oh man. What what it, what the negative repercussions are possibly of taking an extended break, uh, and what to be weary of: goal setting versus estimating, and how to take away valuable lessons. How to spot a chauffeur. How to spot a chauffeur? Yeah. How to not be mm-hmm. a uh, a dilettante, and word um, of the day, and how to take away knowledge from a story despite its surviving and possibly you know how how to how to unpack a successful story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so always a great discussion with you guys. Special guest episode, Juicy J dropping yeah, some seriously. life advice. You know, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, guys, see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been the Weekly Call. Hey listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. 
and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.